Good morning. Before I get into what I believe that uh, God would love for us to hear this morning, I just want to tell you thank you. And I want to bring you just so much love from Columbia because this church is loved so very deeply. How many of you have been down to Columbia before? Well, okay, there's been a lot more maybe in the first service. But we just, we're, we're so appreciative of what you have done. Um, I, I was told when uh, people found out that I was going to be here today to tell you hi, to tell you thank you, to, to give you love, and uh, even someone like Fabian Martinez that you guys had for three months sending up his love and his appreciation for you. It's really, really cool, so thank you for that. But I'd like to ask you a question. How many of you at some point in your life, I don't know, maybe in a prayer time, maybe at an altar, uh, maybe on an outreach or something, you've just basically said this. You've said, Jesus, make me like you. I want to be like you, Jesus. Go ahead, raise your hands. Let's be honest about this. How many have said that? Okay. Wow, look around you a little bit. You're not the only one. There's lots and lots of us that have said that. And I've wondered sometimes, because I have too, I've wondered sometimes if, if I really understood that the Jesus that I would like to be like is this loving, wonderful, kind, compassionate Jesus that works miracles, that forgives people, that raises the dead, that, you know, oh, Jesus, I, I would just love to be like you, Jesus. Make me like you, Jesus. But you see, there's another part to Jesus. If we look up in Isaiah 53, verses 2 and 3, it talks about Jesus in this light. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands on this one, but how many of us would have lifted our hands to the Lord maybe at an altar or an outreach or in prayer or something and said, Oh, Jesus, Jesus, make me just like you. Despised and rejected. Someone that no one wants to see. Make me a man of sorrows, well acquainted with grief. Afflict me. Have we ever prayed like that? I told you you didn't have to raise your hands, but I see a lot of people going like this. Uh-uh, no, not me. Now let's go down to maybe a human counterpart of Jesus in this way. Because you see, we're just surrounded by people who are despised and rejected. And people of sorrow and people of affliction. And people that even our hearts as Christians wouldn't want to reach out to. There'd be some barriers from us. And in the Bible, in the New Testament, with Jesus, this happened to come out as well. And the example that I'd love to give you out of many, but is in Mark chapter 1, 
verses 40 and 41. It says this. A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Now, we would understand this much better if we were actually right there in Jesus' time because leprosy at that time was something that everybody feared. Horrible, horrible disease. There were no medications for it. There was no treatment for it. They didn't know how they got it. But the leper was one whose skin just started a meltdown. And it eats your fingers until they're gone. It eats your toes until they're gone. It eats your nose until you're totally grotesque and disfigured and everything. And, and a leper was someone that everyone was saying, no, no, we don't want to be like him. And because they were so fearful of this person, they actually ostracized him from society. They said, you can't live in our cities. You can't stay with your family. You can't be around people. If you're going to be alive, you've got to go live in the caves far, far away from us. And in fact, the rejection was so strong to the leper that there were laws that told the leper that if he saw someone getting too close, maybe because they didn't see that he was there, the leper had to yell out, Leper! Leper! So that people would shun him and go away from him. That was the depth of the rejection. And that's the kind of man that approaches Jesus here in Mark 1. Now, I'm sure that the Bible could give us many more details. But if they're so rejected like that, I imagine that as the leper was coming close to Jesus, the crowd parted like the sea, the Red Sea in front of Moses. I mean, everyone was like, what are you doing here? You don't have a right to be here. This is the master. This is the teacher. This is the rabbi. But the only thing the lepers saw was, I need him. You see, the leper knew that his life was absolutely hopeless. There was no future for him. He was going to live the rest of his life in the caves, away from the people that he loved, absolutely abandoned by society, trying to eke out some kind of a living, but knowing that there wasn't one single person in the whole wide world that cared or loved him because of his condition. And yet he sees Jesus. And as he gets closer, the people are shocked that Jesus doesn't move away. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Isn't that just absolutely precious? Not only that, with everyone saying, Jesus, don't get close to him. With everyone saying, he might contaminate you. With everyone saying, no, 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 not him, not him. Jesus goes to him and reaches out to this man and touches him. I mean, how much more contaminated can you get than touching the one that's untouchable? That everyone says, don't, 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 don't. He touches him. I think that's so beautiful that both Mark and Matthew that relate this story say that little detail. When he touches him, Jesus says to the men, I am willing. Wow. 
Those words send chills up and down my spine. Do they to you? Let's put it into our context today. Who would we reject? Who would we be afraid of? Who would we say, let's stay away from them? Or who would we say, oh, I hope they don't come too close to us? Who would we be afraid of walking in the door of the church, for example? Now, each one of us maybe has a different opinion. Maybe one of you would say a drunk. Another one would say a prostitute. Another one would say a drug addict. Another one would say a goth or a punker or someone, you know, that, that, that wouldn't come to church normally. In, in other words, can you think just for a moment, who would be that person for you? Who would you reject? Who would you abandon? Who would you want not to be in your life? Who would you not really want to bring to Jesus? Think of that person. Who would you not forgive? Who has hurt you so badly that you don't care about them anymore? Here's the good news. Jesus doesn't back away from that person. He basically says, come closer. I want to touch you. I want to give you a hug. That's what we do with some of the people that society rejects down in Colombia. We started out with the children who were on the streets. Uh, the ones who didn't have any other place to go. The ones who were very abandoned and very mistreated and very sexually abused. And, and when you go out on the streets, you get into drugs and then you get into crime to support your habit. And you, you know, in other words, you just go down and down and down and down. To the point where society was saying, they're the trash of the city, let's just kill them off. Let's just do social cleansing. We even had many of our street people that were gunned down by machine guns at 2, 3 in the morning when they're sleeping out on the streets underneath an overhang of a theater, for example, because society said they don't deserve to live among us. We don't want them. They're no good for anything. But you see, Jesus wants them around the throne. He wants them in relationship with him. To him, there's not one single person in this whole entire world that Jesus would say, no, don't come close. But the problem was with our street people is that the leper got to see Jesus physically. Our street people don't get that. They don't see a Jesus uh, dressed in white or whatever walking down the street. That You know, to them... God may have abandoned them completely. They need to be able to see somebody who would be Jesus to them enough, that would love them enough, that they would say, this person loves me, and I can then start opening up my heart a little bit to this whole concept of maybe God loves me too. And that's exactly what God called us to do. Now, I share this with you because this church has been so incredibly special to help us do this. You have sent teams down to Bogota, Colombia uh, with Pastor Jeff and, and uh, other people that if I got to start mentioning, I'd, I, I'm afraid I wouldn't mention everybody, so I won't. But you have sent people down who were willing to say, I'm willing to get out of my comfort zone for a while. 
maybe a week, 10 days. I'm willing to leave the comforts of home, the safety of home, the really nice shower. I'm willing to go down there and help these people who are face-to-face with the rejected by society. I started out with a playground on a little farm that we have 15 minutes outside of the city. And oh, I could tell you so many stories of us busing children up from the city to this kind of like day camp and, and them playing on this tower and the zip line and the fireman's pole and the slide and all of that. You know, I see some guys nodding. Yeah, I was part of that. I made that fireman's pole. You are sharing in our harvest. Because of what you did, these kids love to come up to this place. And then a few years ago, we found that uh, a church was selling their auditorium. It's not even a third of the size of this one, but selling their auditorium there in the ghetto. And uh, you guys said, along with us, how can we make this into an indoor playground for ghetto kids that are mistreated and abused and in the tenements? And in this particular ghetto, which is called Santa Fe, which means holy faith, kind of ironic, because two blocks north of us, we have the cemetery with lots of spiritism, lots of Satan worship, lots of santeria, we call it, lots of witchcraft. And then to the east of us, four blocks to the east of us, we have open prostitution, all kinds of prostitution with men, women, uh, black, white, young, old, cheap, expensive, all kinds of prostitution, just four blocks from us. Then two blocks south of us, we have a recycler's community uh, where people go through the trash and look for things that they can sell, you know, like metal or glass or paper, cardboard or whatever. And then all around us are tenement houses, five-story apartment buildings that had been apartments, but now every single room is rented out to a different family. And some of these rooms are actually divided by a string with a curtain because if you can get a bed on one side and a bed on the other side, then you can rent the room as two rooms. That's what we're surrounded with the jungle. And some of you remember maybe a comedy night that was here uh, in Carrollton where you were raising funds for a project called Bigfoot. Do you remember that? That's us. That was this center. That was this auditorium that we called the jungle. And a house next, uh, just down the block, about 100 yards, and in front of a park. That, that was the jungle project. Well, I have good news for you. Because of all of your help, because of all of your buying a square foot, because of the comedy night and everything, it's now culminated. We've gotten all the money. We've paid the building off. This week, we're supposed to be signing the final papers. Ah, it's beautiful. Now I have something much better to clap about. This past Saturday, 170 of those ghetto children got into the jungle somehow and played. I don't know if they played on top one on the other. I have no idea how in the world. Um, we've only had that record a couple of other times, mostly on Halloween night, October 31, when we opened it up as an alternative to the trick-or-treat around a really dangerous neighborhood. And so... Last October 31, we had 180 kids and 30 gang members with all their trappings and everything as gang members because they were the parents of the kids and they wanted to make sure that their kids were in a safe place on Halloween night. <laughs> so we had the jungle with 210 people, 40 volunteers from the local churches. 
It was absolutely fabulous. How in the world we all fit, I don't know. We, I, actually, we, I think we need a bigger place. Or else we just need to start splitting services or something. I don't know. But To make a long story short, it's paid off. It's effective. It's a place where people are coming to an encounter with Jesus Christ. That is something worth clapping about. So you see how this church is already involved. That, that's absolutely beautiful. Now, as we come up to the jungle, and it can happen tomorrow. If I was there tomorrow and I drove up our little blue bus and I got out of the blue bus, I can guarantee you several things. I can guarantee, forgive me for saying this from the platform, but a pile of poop on one part of the door and urine on another part of the door. There are some people who don't want Christians there. We have to clean that up. Almost every Saturday that we have the jungle open, we have to clean that up. And then just uh, two feet that way and maybe a few yards that way, we'll have people sleeping out on their cardboard boxes, on their newspapers, under the gunny sacks. It would be so easy to say the poop and the pee and the people sleeping and put it all into one simple phrase, one simple sight. But you see, there have been a couple of times that I've knelt down by that person that's there with those newspapers and those gunny sacks. And I've looked at them with the long, curling fingernails and the broken toenails and the dirt and the grime and everything. And, and like Jesus thought of the leper, I think, dear God, that man is made in your image. He's created in your image. With everything that he doesn't have, with all the rejection that society has for him, he still deserves to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. And that's the message that I want to share with you today. You may understand, yes, there are people that you don't want to be around. Yes, there are people that make you uncomfortable. Yes, there are people that you wish would just stay away or at least yell leper or whatever it is that they have to yell so that you don't have to have contact with them. But that doesn't change the fact that Jesus wants contact with them. And Jesus is calling us to be that person that says to them, wake up, let me lift you up, let me bring you into contact with the Lord. When I look into those people's eyes and I see the emptiness and I see the hollowness and I see just the begging that there would be somebody that would say, I, I love you or I appreciate you or I'm willing to take a few minutes to give you a, a little hug, some counsel, some Bible verse or something. They want this so much. You look into those eyes and you also see that they're made in God's image. Would you please, please, Look at that in the people that you would reject and realize that God is calling you to bring home someone that he created for his purposes and for his honor and for his glory, even though on the outside it doesn't look like that at all. We sang a song today just, just a few minutes ago before I started speaking, and it said this, Let justice and praise be my embrace. Did you sing that honestly? Are those words that you really meant from your heart? 
Or is that something that you were just singing along because it was up on the overhead? And then you said, to love you from the inside out with people who are rejected and abandoned and unlovely, with those of the Isaiah 53 characteristics. Many times the outside is what's unlovely, but the inside is what God sees, and God wants us to see the inside as well. I'd like to close with one more little story because there might be some of you here saying, well, Steve, you know, that's good and fine for Columbia, South America. That's 5,000 miles away. And um, I'll never go there. Or it's too dangerous there. Or I'm too old to go there. Or I just don't have the money. Or, yeah, there's all kinds of reasons why you wouldn't go to Columbia. But you see, the rejected and abandoned people of the world don't just live down there. They live all around us. You have rejected and abandoned people all around you. And Jesus is saying to you, reach out to that contemporary leper. My grandma was in her 80s already. She was a Kansas farm woman, you know, one of those hard-working women. But when she was in her 80s, I still remember grandma raising her arms and praising Jesus because I used to kind of chuckle because the muscle that was up here was now kind of hanging you know, down here like that. And, and she would just say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. She was one of those that would say, I want to be like you, Jesus. I want to be like you. Well, she had a neighbor who was bitter and resentful. Another woman in her 80s as well. She'd suffered a lot in her life. Uh, she just didn't have a good word for anybody. Didn't want anybody around. She lived in the house next door. And my grandma and grandpa had dedicated four of their six kids to the mission field. Actually, they dedicated all six. But four of them actually went to the foreign field, and two of them stayed back in the United States and witnessed to Jesus, for Jesus here. But my grandma was used to my Aunt Goldie in India and Pakistan, my Uncle Walt in Africa, and my mom in Columbia, South America, where I was born, and, and uh, my Aunt Rosa as a pastor's wife to the very poor here in the United States and all, and and my grandma had her mission field too. It was right next door. This bitter lady, this resentful, ugly, horrible lady. And every time my grandma would go over, this woman would just throw the screen door in her face. I, I kind of joked that my grandma had a tattoo of the screen right there on the tip of her nose. Because every time she'd go over to talk to this old lady about Jesus... This old lady said, I don't want anything of it. I, I don't want you. I don't want your message. I don't, you know, she was bitter. You could say she was someone my grandma could justifiably say, I've done my part. I did what I could. What else do you want, God? But you see, God will go to great lengths to bring the rejected and abandoned and the bitter and the hateful into relationship with him and and one day my grandma was in the kitchen and she was praying for this woman. You know, you can do that. You can pray for those hateful people. Uh, you won't have to actually be right there touching them, but you can pray. And as she's praying for them, the Lord says, well, Tina, what do you have? And she says, God, I've got love. Well, that's good. What else do you have? Oh, well, I know how to bake. 
Well, that's good. Now, she's 80-something, not physically very strong. But you see, God takes what you've got and injects in there the power of the Holy Spirit, and that changes people's lives. Whatever it is that you have, however little you might have, you might have two fishes and five loaves, and God feeds more than 5,000 people out of it because it's His power that's going to do the job anyway. And so my grandma says, well, I, I have love, and I can bake. And God says, put those two together and go over to your neighbor. And so she decides, I'm going to make her an apple pie, and I'm not going to go talk to her about Jesus. I'm just going to give this bitter lady a pie. That's it. Does that sound too terribly complicated? So she starts baking this beautiful apple pie. My grandma, oh, boy. Oh. And I think God just kind of ordered nature to bring this little wafty breeze right through her kitchen and right over to the neighbor's house. And this beautiful pie smell was filling up the whole neighborhood. And I'm sure a lot of people were wondering, where is that coming from? I sure want that. And it goes over to the neighbor's house. I'm just imagining this, but... I think the neighbor was just like licking her lips and thinking, where is this pie? And my grandma goes to that screen door that's been slammed in her face so many times and knocks on the door, and there's the neighbor, and it's kind of like, oh, you again? You know, what, what are you doing here? Get away from here. And my grandma says to her neighbor, she says, you know, I'm not here to talk to you about Jesus. I'm just here to give you this pie, that's all. See how simple it is to love the unlovely. And thank the Lord, that neighbor got a tear in her eye, opened up the door, and she said, look, I've got some ice cream in the freezer. Why don't you bring the pie in and sit down at my table and we'll just share it together. And that's what happened. And my grandma, because of love and a pie, was able to lead this lady to the Lord Jesus Christ, get her in an encounter with Jesus, and change her life forever. I mean, beyond death, for all of eternity. That is something to get excited about. Let's bow our heads. We're going to make a commitment now. This isn't between you and me at all. This is between you and the Lord himself, the one who reached out and touched that leper. And he's saying, I want to draw close to me. I want to hug these unlovable people that you and I already know. Some of them down in Colombia. Some of them in Africa where some of you have gone. Some of them may be the old crotchety people that are bitter and resentful right next door to your house that you would say, I just want to stay away as far away from them as I can. Maybe it's a son or a daughter that you're estranged from that hurt you very, very deeply at some point. And you're in church and they're not. And you've probably said, I've got to write them off. There's no hope for them. Maybe it's a mom or a dad that you've had a lot of trouble with that you say would have controlled your life or told you what to do and you just don't want to be in that point. I don't know. 
But in your heart, you know who is that leper. You know who uh, you fear, who you don't want to be with, who you've written off. Well, you know something? Until the last breath that that person has, there's hope that Jesus will reach out to them and they will actually come into his, his embrace. And so I just ask you now to call out to God to give you the grace to forgive, to accept, to lose your fears, to intercede for that person, to love them even if it's from a distance for now. To not be afraid if God all of a sudden brings that person closer to you. If God all of a sudden says, I want you to reach out and hug them for me and share with them my love. That's the commitment that God is asking of you today. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would deeply, deeply search our hearts. Turn the light of your word into the deepest, darkest recesses of where we have rejected somebody. And I pray, Lord, that you would show us that sin. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. Forgive us deeply for not having your heart, not having your compassion. Yes, you're God, we're not, but you've asked us to be like you. Father, fill us so deeply with your Holy Spirit that we ourselves would change so deeply that those that we've rejected would see in us such a change that they would actually not put up the barriers anymore. That they would open that screen door. That they would invite us into their lives that we might share you. In so doing, Lord Jesus, we know that you will transform our own lives. As we are a blessing to bring others into relationship with you, you will deepen your relationship with us. And Lord, that's what it's all about. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.